Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. Like always, I'm your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by just one of the boys today, Matt. Matt, I don't know that we have done a solo episode, just the two of us. Have we? We have. Uh, in okay, fact, we did. Another, um, it was another JRPG, which was Xenoblade 3. Xenoblade 3, you're right. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm fucking stupid. How did I forget that? I remember that episode. How did I forget that? Well, anyways, we're talking about a JRPG today. And one that we actually weren't going to do an episode on, and because to be honest, uh, you were the only one that knew the release date of uh, of of the side mission boys. I didn't know that this game came out that was you know set to come out this year, but it did. So it's Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. That is a mouthful of a fucking title. Yep, that is That's a mouthful. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, the remaster and it, it, for the people who are like, oh, remake versus remaster. You know, this is a remaster. Now, to be fair, this is a really good remaster. Yeah, this is a really, really yeah. solid remaster. I think that there's a negative connotation with the word remaster versus the word remake. And uh, re- remasters like this are good remasters. Now, remasters that are lazy, that just barely up the resolution. Yeah, those are lazy. This, this not a lazy remaster in my opinion. This, this is actually a really good remaster. And as someone who's never played Crisis Core before. I feel like this is a really, really, really good first experience for it. Uh, there's a lot of things in this game that, for a PSP game, still really hold up today. And I think, Matt, the biggest thing is the gameplay. It, you know, just like Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's more of that free flow. It's it's more of that Final Fantasy XV, you know, kind of combat. But what I liked here, Matt, and, and you tell me, because, I, I, again, I never played the original. You played the original. Uh, was the combat in the original this fast? Actually, no, they definitely improved the combat. So the combat um, speed was increased, you think? Okay. Yeah, you also you got to consider the fact that the original came on the PSP. Yeah. Um, if this tried to run on the PSP, the PSP's probably exploding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the, the original, uh, I, I, I vaguely remember it because it was so long ago, but, like, the quality of life improvements here um, are definitely, like, make the experience of playing this game the definitive experience so they should just call this the definitive edition and um i i I vaguely just i remember just like how much of a slog the original was to get through with just the 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 long loading times because here they definitely improved upon that so i think that this this was a great time to remake this game well remaster this game uh especially due to what is currently going on uh with the final fantasy 7 like you know uh, storyline especially with how remake is just completely revamping everything yeah no i agree yeah. uh i have a, I, we'll get into the ending a little bit later uh spoiler alert for anybody that doesn't want to hear the ending of this game in case you don't already know how this game ends it's an old game so i don't know how that is but what do you think about the flow of gameplay in this remaster matt because that, that was one thing that i was kind of iffy about the entire time was i feel like in combat the gameplay flows really well. Outside of it, I feel like you really more or less just walk like 10, 10 to 20 feet at a time and you then you get a transition screen and then you get a loading screen and then you get you know 10 to 20 more steps and then another loading screen. Do, do, do you think that this game flowed well or do you think that's more of this game being a, a remaster of a PSP game and that's kind of like just part of it? I think that this is a common theme that that we get with Square Enix games because, like, I mean, if anyone remembers, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, there was a joke about how every time you took a couple of steps, you had a cutscene. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it was the same uh, same way with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like, Square Enix just has a very yeah. specific thing. Um, 
Now, one thing I noticed, and th this is harking back to the original, is like you can, when you're doing some of these missions here in, in this game, you can actually avoid a lot of fights because... Just by hugging the wall, yeah. Just by hugging the wall, exactly. And sometimes you're lucky enough to find a chest against the wall. Um, so you're able to almost completely, you know, skip a lot of just the... Um, the, the nuisance fights and just get straight to the um, the the final missions like in boss there at the uh, at the end there, um, but it I forgot how annoying it was especially during chapter four where it's just constantly cutscene after cutscene especially after some little kid steals your wallet and then you literally interact with one NPC then you get a cutscene with Aerith you interact with another another cutscene with Aerith and it just kind of just it, it really does kind of break it for me um the immersion yeah exactly exactly like i i you know i understand that especially when it comes to final fantasy 7 a lot of the world building comes from the characters interactions with each other but i think at some point you just you just really gotta let the you just really gotta let the player play this game you know what i mean no i do i definitely think that this game is very very cutscene heavy um my playthrough was about 10 hours long and I'd venture that probably 45 minutes to an hour of that playthrough was probably just cutscenes. And that that's yeah. a, and that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty hefty that's a hefty chunk of a game to be cutscenes. Now, it would be a little bit better if it wasn't, you know, especially when it comes to the in-game cinematics, it'd be a lot better if those were brought up to, you know, this current this current generation's engine they which yeah. they were not. <laughs> that's the only part of performance of this game that I'm like kind of iffy on is the in-game cinematics are completely just ripped from the original and put into this one. It's the exact same resolution, yeah. exact same kind of performance. Uh, it's 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 kind of blurry a little bit, and you really see it, especially in the last cutscene of the game. You know, because we have a comparison of what it looked like in Final Fantasy VII Remake, because it wasn't just the same cutscene in Final Fantasy VII Remake. They actually upped the up the resolution, and it looked a lot better. Now. We obviously know why that was, because Final Fantasy VII Remake completely changed the ending of Crisis Core. At or at least, it, you know, there's all that theory of, you know, it's in an alternate timeline, this, that, the other. So, But, you know, we saw what it could look like. And instead yeah. of this one, it's more just the PSP version. And I don't think that that's lazy. I think that that's trying to keep the skeleton of the original game there. But you do have to ask that question, why not upgrade the visuals there? Yeah, I I got to that opening cutscene with uh, with Zach on the train, um, and uh, I was kind of like, okay, so they did not they they did not redo the cutscenes like this is straight from the PSP game, but I will say this, it it really shows how good this game did look on the PSP for its time. Yes, and, like the cutscenes held up really well, especially I, I I remember like this game coming out after the uh the movie that they did called um uh advent children which i remember seeing that for the first time and i was i was shocked like that they were able to pull something off like this now looking back at it now it has definitely shown its age but i i really do kind of appreciate the fact that they did do what they did because like I mean, at the end of the day, this is not a remake. This is not what they did with, you know, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. This, this is a remaster. And, you know, it it was kind of distracting when you did kind of get from the PSP visuals uh, to the more modern, uh, you know, remake engine that they used. Um, but, I mean, you they they don't... you There's not a lot of cutscenes that use that engine, which is the... Um, 
that's not the in-game engine, but that's just, you know, yeah. the, the CGI or whatever. Um, but I, I guess it, it really does keep, like, you know, the the, uh, the whole, like, the, the PSP game just was like, you know, as I said before, just a great testament to how it looked. Um, so I wasn't mad at it. I didn't remember messaging you thinking, like, Jesus Christ, dude, are they actually, did they actually Is the entire it? game like this, yeah. Exactly, is the whole entire game going to be like this? And, like, I mean, I also did kind of a quick comparison between Remake and this game when it came to the in-game graphics. Um, I don't know. I don't think the character models look as good as they did in Remake. And I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that there's a little bit less detail. And I, I think that that's something that really stuck out to me was there's just a little bit less detail. But I would also say that with Remake, and I know that there's no excuse here, but Remake, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake was in development for for years. Oh, oh yeah. For oh, years, yeah. dude. Like, they, <laughs> they had a long time to get that stuff right. Now, Crisis Core, this to me has the feel of, okay... You know, we we changed the ending in Final Fantasy VII Remake, or or we brought the alternate timeline in. Now let's you know let's take advantage of this hype that we could we've potentially created for this, and let's do a remaster of Crisis Core. And it definitely feels like fewer a a, 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 a smaller development cycle went into this one. Yeah, definitely doesn't yeah. feel like this one had a similar development. Now that's not to say it was a bad development cycle because this game looks really good. This is a really, really good-looking game. And again, it is a testament to how good some games looked on the PSP. The PSP was a was a pretty solid little handheld, dude. Like, it it, yeah. ran, it ran some games really, really well. It did. It and, did, yeah. you know, you know you've, we all have heard the meme, you know, X walked so, you know, or X crawled so Y could run. <laughs> and, like, yeah. like, like, legitimately, I believe the PSP crawled so that the Nintendo Switch could run. Like, because now we're seeing, like... <laughs> We're seeing like just how good some games can look on handheld. I will say this game being a, a handheld, there is one thing that that does kind of that kind of holds it back a little bit, and that's the mission structure because you can tell, especially in the side missions, LOL side mission plug, um, <laughs> you can tell though that this was designed with more of a pick up and play or play on the go in mind because the side missions are really, really short. They're really, really linear, and they're more or less you going down the same corridor uh, and fighting, you know, three to four groups of enemies and then, you know, maybe fighting a bigger enemy at the end. So yeah. It, it, it's you can kind of see that the side the side quest and that side mission structure is kind of dated or it's, it doesn't really work 100% on strictly homebound consoles. Uh but again, I didn't have like a problem with it because for me, when it came to grinding XP or finding more summons, it, it made that a lot more a lot more quick. It made it much quicker because yeah, yeah. I wasn't have to, having to go through these elongated side quests to where I'm having to do you know an, an, an arbitrary list of list of objectives. Instead, I, I I'm doing two or three missions and I'm getting a summon, and that that to me, it's outdated and it somewhat doesn't fully work. But at the same time, it works in certain ways. So it's one of those where I'm not completely upset about it. Uh, I will say this. As far as performance, the summons cutscenes, especially for like Bahamut and Ifrit and, and Odin, some of these cutscenes are jaw-dropping. Like the amount of detail and the amount of effects in it. Again, like you can't call this a lazy remaster in my opinion. 
No, uh, I was always going to say, I feel like most of the budget went into the summons. <laughs> yeah, but um, they they really did, like, keep the consistency. Because, like, every, like every, Final Fantasy game, uh, every Final Fantasy game that I have played, the, the summons always just blow my mind. Like, I remember... Uh, playing Final Fantasy 15, I believe. Yes. And uh, those the, were the crazy summons, as hell too. The summons in those games were like just mind blowing. Like um, the Leviathan summon, I, I remember that boss fight at the time just being like one of the most wild moments in gaming for me. Just like Square Enix, just like when it comes to uh, their when it comes to their combat with Final Fantasy 7, they go above and beyond. Just because it, it's really flashy. But like it's just it's just so cool to see it. Um, I think what was really cool is the fact that uh, you when you fought the summons for the first time that you were able to go back in missions and rechallenge them into to you know to unlock them. Um, but if we're talking about mission structure, yeah, this is absolutely it is absolutely still hindered back from just because this game was like on the PSP, which you know at at that time it just wasn't able to do as what the uh, his big brother, the PlayStation Two, was doing at the time. Um, and the mission structure. One thing I find super annoying about the mission structure is just the fact that like, uh, if you're like doing some of the higher level ones up, or you know, and yeah. it's just like. Sometimes it's just like I just want to get straight to the end of this thing because like these little metropolises. I mean, it, it's a great way to level up. It's a great way to level up your your level, your materia, and all that because it uses what the the DMW structure here. Yeah. Um, I remember this kind of being a controversial thing uh, back with the uh, original release because sometimes it just feels like you can win a game, uh, win a fight just based off of RNG. Um, but as you progress through the game, I like the fact that you're just con continuing to unlock, um, unlock new characters for the DMW. Like, and also as you're building relationships over time, it's like with in Chapter Four, when you start building a relationship with Aerith, you get like this really like OP healing ability or uh, Cisne or yep. Song. A lot of these characters that you just come across, um, and then the damage and ones have... for guys like Angel and Sephiroth yeah. are awesome as well. Yeah, they are, they are. They are. They really cool. And then the fact that in, in missions that like, you can find just like you know these uh, random DNW characters like Chocobo or Kate Sith, uh, which I know a lot of people are like, "Who's Kate Sith?" If you if you haven't played Seven and you only played Seven Remake, you're not gonna know who Kate Sith is just yet. Um, or hell, if you, once you get to um, was it Nibelheim? What, what, what do they call it? Something like uh, that. It's really, it's really funny, and I don't, and I'm sure there's probably a reason for all this. I found it very funny how like it's almost like the Norse realms. Like there's like some of the names are very similar. Obviously Midgar, not Midgard. Yeah. Nibelheim, yeah. Niflheim. Like I, I don't know if that's intentional. I'm sure there's probably a reason why they were named the way they were. But I, I thought that was funny, especially coming off of Ragnarok. I really thought that was funny playing this, and I knew that I knew that from Final Fantasy VII. Like Medeoheim, I, I we've heard that name before. I've heard that name plenty of times. It's nothing new. Yeah. I just yeah. found it funny. The uh, like I, I don't know, just the similarities. It was it's a, it was interesting to me. But just remember, o Odin is a summon here. <laughs> yeah, and that, and, that, and that's part of what makes it interesting as well. Is like there's part of me, there's part of me that like feels like it's very intentional when Odin is a summon. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I know when when you when you get to I just want to make sure it is Nibelheim, correct? Nibelheim, yes. 
Yes, I. What I loved about that section is the fact that there's just like this really cool Easter eggs here. Like they call them the Seven Wonders. Uh, once you find the last one, when you go inside of the mansion, you actually find a character who will be introduced in the next part of um, Seven Remake, Vincent Valentine. Yeah. Who is probably one of my favorite characters? He's he's a little bit edgy. He's kind of like a vampire. He even got his own game um, on the PlayStation Two. I don't remember if it was any good or not. But I like the way that this game is really, like, so many throwbacks. So it is a prequel to 7, but if you play 7, then you'll understand all the references. Plus, just being able to experience one of the most famous uh, storylines is when Sephiroth finds out what really, like, his true creation and all of that. And he just goes ballistic, and then he, he, he basically just sets fire to it, and it shows that really well-known cutscene of him just like standing um in the flames just looking up at the screen and just knowing that that was the big you know character like character um like the side when he turns and i it, it was really cool to see that uh that happen and I, I i say one of my favorite characters that is introduced to this game is angel yes Everybody was wondering like where Cloud got the Buster Sword at, and and it was originally Angel's. And I like the fact that that Buster Sword carries from him to Zack to Cloud. It's just like the passing of the torch. You know, I, I, we we talked about this when we were playing it. You know, as far as all the characters that you know you see in remake that are also here, uh, it really surprises me. I understand a little bit more because obviously the first episode of Side Mission we ever did, Final Fantasy VII Remake, was one of the games we talked about that oh feels God, like a lifetime was. ago. But but I said that I felt like Cloud was a very boring protagonist, very kind of bland. You know, it's funny how Crisis Core gives a lot of context as to why he is the way he is now. Gives quite a bit of context as to yeah. why he is more of that cold, you know, soft-spoken protagonist. It's because of the events of Crisis Core, specifically the ending. Um, because he's not like that in a lot of this game. And in most of this game, he, he's much more energetic. You know, he's got more personality. And, and you see that. So the ending here really does give more context as to why he is the way he is in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, as far as characters that stood out, I feel like Genesis is an incredible villain. Yeah. I, I feel like Genesis might be one of the best villains we've seen in gaming this year. He was a really good villain. Yeah, like... And the funny thing is, I, I don't, I don't, I feel like part of the game is you're also supposed to somewhat understand his side, because it really does kind of blur the line. I don't think that the game just outright makes him the villain. I think that like part of the game is also pointing out like, hey, you work for Shinra, or you work for a section of Shinra. Remember, they're kind of shitty too. Yeah, no, Shin Shinra is definitely the main villain when it comes to Final Fantasy VII, I mean, they're just, uh, they're, they're, they're big pharma, if you know what I mean. I mean, they're, you know, taking material. Well, that's getting the... political. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to get political. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're taking the pure essence of the world to create materia. And yep. it, they're slowly killing the world, which is like why one of their motivations in Final Fantasy VII is, you know, to seek Aerith and keep her alive because she's the last living ancient. Um, Last living bad I, I is more like is she. <laughs> I, I feel like that the motives behind, like that Genesis has is you know it makes sense in the context that it's like really. I think one one of the things I really liked about Genesis was this like he's not a super deep character but I like the the quoting of the uh, 
the poem. Yeah, the poem. Yeah, he's he's like oh the William Shakespeare Final Fantasy, uh, in a way. Um, I just think that the end game with Genesis was just kind of like that's it. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it does kind of just end, and that's the thing. Like Genesis has so much build up, especially in that last chapter where you fight him. There's so much build up. And and then the final fight just kind of happens and I don't know like it it's not it's not like the greatest ending to a game ever or at least for for a villain's plotline ever but I feel like again like he's a really really excellent villain throughout 95% of this game. The last 5% is just how the arc kind of wraps up it just kind of ends. And yeah. again, I feel like the way it ends they're trying to say, like, hey, understand, like, he wasn't a good, he wasn't the good guy here. He was definitely the antagonist. But keep in mind that he was fighting a greater evil. Exactly. And the greater evil he was fighting was Shinra. So it was yeah. one of those things where, like, yeah, his methods were very, very questionable at best. But he also, you know, he, he was fighting a bigger evil in his opinion. And I think a lot of people would agree that Shinra is the bigger evil when it comes to Final Fantasy VII. So the other thing is, and we've mentioned, you mentioned it briefly I think that what really makes the story of this game excellent is Sephiroth's arc. That is yeah. what makes this game... Zach, Zach Fair being a great protagonist also helps this game as well. He, he's, again, one of my favorite protagonists in a game this year. But Sephiroth's arc, when you realize that he has not always been this, this crazy, psychotic asshole, like, he, he was very normal. He was, he, yeah. was a, he was a very normal, very, very normal human being. And yeah, then he was a hero. And he was a hero. Like, he was looked up to. He, he was, you know, a hero. And he finds out that he's been lied to his entire life. Finds out that he was essentially made by a machine. And he just kind of loses his shit. Yeah, he found out that your mother was Genova, who, you know, was taken from the asteroid that hit Midgard. And then you were created from the cells of that to become the super soldier. I'd, I'd probably go ballistic, too. I probably would, too. Like, it's one of those where it's like, it, again, like, if you don't know backstory, you would just think that Sephiroth was this random psychotic weirdo. Now, to be fair, Sephiroth also is is up there and is considered to be one of the greatest villains in all of gaming. And, and justifiably oh, yeah. so. He's an excellent villain. Um, oh, yeah. But this really does give context of, like, you know, every every villain is the hero of their own story. Like, he was a hero. He was a looked-up-to hero. He was a god among men, essentially. And because he was lied to and because he finds out that, you know, everything he knew wasn't true, he just goes ballistic. He sets fire to that village. He, he just he loses it. But again, that's part of what makes this story work is his arc. His arc is incredible in this story. Now, there will be people that hear us raving about this game that are like, well, what the fuck? Like, you got... Spoiler alert, it didn't make the top ten list, mainly because it came out so late in the year. If this game had come out in the middle of the year, this game probably would have made my list. Yeah, I agree. Like, no lie whatsoever. This game probably would have made my list. And it was very close to... You know, I said on the episode... Again, spoiler alert, because this episode's coming out before our top ten. I said that the game that was closest to making my list that didn't was Harvestella, and this game was right behind it. Like, I was close to putting Crisis Core on there. So, it's an excellent game. I want to talk, before we end this, I want to talk about the ending a little bit, because it, it was interesting to me that, and we dropped a spoiler alert earlier in the episode, so if you're still here and you don't want to hear the ending, you might as well, you better fucking run now, because it's getting spoiled. Uh... <laughs> It was very interesting to me that they kept the original ending. 
very, very interesting to me that they kept that. And I know that as a remaster, it's not a remake. They're not trying to redo it. But, Matt, I had a theory, and I want to see what your thoughts are on this. I think we've talked about this a little bit. I feel like a lot of the decision-making, besides the fact that it's just a remaster and not a remake, I feel like a lot of the reasoning for keeping the original ending where Zack dies, I feel like a lot of that is to stay consistent with, okay, for Final Fantasy VII Remake to happen... Crisis Core had to happen the same way it did back in two thousand and what nine two thousand seven. When did it come out? Oh man, it, uh, it, was, it was it was around that time, right? It was around that time, yeah. So yeah. I feel like for Final Fantasy VII remake for those events to happen, I feel like Crisis Core had to happen that same way. But because it happens that same way, Final Fantasy VII remakes events then change the ending or change the timeline in another alternate universe. To where Zack lives and ends up getting back to Midgar with Cloud, both of them alive, and he gets back to Aerith, and I don't even want to know how that love triangle goes. Um, but do you think that there's a possibility that that's the case, that for Final Fantasy VII Remake to happen the way it did, this game had to have that same ending? No, I, I was thinking about that because I remember when they announced this game, I was thinking that... Like, what if... Like, do you think that, did you think they would change the ending to keep him alive? I think they're going to change the ending because I felt like that this was not a prequel to Final Fantasy VII anymore, but a prequel to Final Fantasy VII Remake. But I was actually kind of glad that they decided to keep the original ending because a lot of people did not get to experience this game. Um, especially if anyone, new fans were introduced with Seven Remake, then this was a perfect opportunity to just, you know, show the game off as it was originally intended. Now, I think that this game is still the same timeline that we are accustomed to that, you know, we originally gotten before 7 Remake decided to completely alter timelines by creating a new one. Um, so I don't think that this game is going to be directly connected to the remakes. I just think that this was just the opportunity to, you know, re-release this game that's been stuck on the PSP, which I call uh, PlayStation... Um, I mean, actually, I actually had a really good pun for this one, and I can't Man, remember what I was going to say. Man, that's uh, rough. You were, you were going to make a joke, and you forgot it. I got it. Uh, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation uh, Purgatory, like the PSP. <laughs> okay, I got you. Okay, that's pretty good. I give you that one. That's pretty solid. I'll give you that. I'll give you points okay. for that one. I got it out. I got it out. Um, but I'm glad they kept it because it really is a strong ending, uh, especially the way you play it out is you are Zack and, you know, Shinra has turned against you because they believe you have sided with, you know, Sephiroth, Angeal, and Genesis, and you are seen as, you know, public enemy number one. And it's such a it's such a strong moment that you are just standing there going up against all of these uh, Shinra soldiers. Um and like as you're fighting them zach is just you know he takes damage the dmw starts going freaking crazy showing you memories and then zach is losing those memories it's really sad especially once you get to that final moment and you lose those memories with you know Aerith because of the the relationship that they were building between these two characters and then you know Aerith feels zach you know losing life um yeah but i do i do hope that with what what they're planning with seven remake makes sense in this timeline and it's not just trying to please the fans who were you know so sad about what happened originally um but this it, it kept the spirit and we I, i'm glad everybody got to experience what happened to zach because so many people were very confused about it whether you just got it in cutscenes. yeah um 
But it, it it's one of those moments that has to stay because it's it's very impactful on the future, and I'm glad they kept it. Yeah, the ending, it's heavy, dude, because as you're fighting all these soldiers, like, you're sitting there, like, you really feel like it's impossible. Like, there's no way you're living through this. And as the DMW is just going wild the entire time, like, you're sitting there going, wow, I'm really about to fucking die. I really am not going to live through this. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy emotional ending. And I, I, I do appreciate them keeping the original ending here. I will say... And if we want to make this a prediction, I can make this an official prediction. It's, it's going on record. I don't think that this is the last we have seen of Zack Fair. I do feel like in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I do feel like we're going to get more hints and we're going to, you know, we're going to see more of him as we get, uh, as we get further along. And uh, hopefully, do we know if Rebirth is coming next year guaranteed? Have they said that? They say holiday 2023 is when that's coming out. I'm thinking so. I don't want to get my hopes up because you know they they are releasing Final Fantasy 16 next year as well. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. But I do know the fact that they they do have like you know everything pretty much done as far as you know rebirth is going because they're they're not starting from from uh they're not starting from the beginning with the engine and everything like they they got it all done. I also did want to add that Seven Remake added DLC that ends with Zack walking to the church. So. Yeah, he's definitely alive. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see where Final Fantasy VII Rebirth uh, goes from what we've seen in Crisis Core, what we saw in Remake a couple years ago. It really is gonna be interesting to see what happens there and and how it affects the timeline, how they make use of these alternate uni alternate timelines, alternate universes. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us on Facebook and TikTok as well at Side Mission Podcast. For Matt, I'm Rusty. For Kyle and Thacker's fucking non-existent asses. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> exactly. I know they both they both have the game. Like, I'm pretty sure both of them have the game, and just neither one of them have fucking played it. But it's all good. For Matt, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.